0: Man, we're back, for one thing. Took another break. It's Uh, okay. But we've got a draft recap special gloomy days for the Sun Belt.
1: It's not looking good, I'll tell you that much.
0: It's a tough, tough draft day weekend for the Sun Belt. And we have our...
1: Special guest. Our winner for our bracket challenge back in March. Finally got around to hooking him up with it. Ben Whitehead is on the show.
0: Yeah, and to be honest with you, we had so much fun with him. It's just the whole show, man That's right He just killed it And we've got some great things going on in the show tonight So sit back, relax, and
1: Roll the music Shut
0: up and sit down Welcome in to another exciting episode Of the Bench Boys Podcast I'm Colin Cahill I'm Thomas Gleaton, And we are the Bench Boys. This is our amazing show. Thank you for being here. While you're here, smash that subscribe button. You are here. You're listening. You you obviously like us. You obviously like us. So hit the subscribe. You get all the great things of being a subscriber, which I have no idea what they are.
1: We haven't figured them out yet. But but
0: apparently there's things. So enjoy them. Uh, Like our page on Facebook because that's
1: there. Follow us on Twitter at the OG Bench Boys. We're kind of cool. We are a little. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I'm a little modest. Yeah, just kidding. I'm not modest at no. all. I'm awesome.
0: No, we've got a, a really good show tonight. We are really excited to have our bracket challenge winner uh, on the show tonight. That's he right,
1: Ben Whitehead. He has, won it all.
0: He has been waiting a while and uh, to finally get on the show. We finally get him on the show. So, and we are here, ladies and gentlemen. The moment that. Everyone has been waiting for the winner of the Bitch Boys NCAA Tournament Challenge, Mister Ben Whitehead from Headland, Alabama. That's but down in the Wiregrass. That's right. And uh, the no, three, three, four. The three, three, four. Mister Ben Whitehead. He's obviously, and it was no sponsorships. I know some people think that because he obviously no, is yeah. the been on Sports Factor of of the day. No, Ben straight up won it. And, uh, Fair heck, and square. heck of a run for him. Did I got to ask Virginia, that's who you picked. Did you, did you, were you, were you sweating bullets like that first game when they were down to Gardner web, like at halftime?
2: I mean, you gotta understand when I decided I was actually put in the bracket, I was like, I'm just going to do this for fun because I don't ever think about actually winning these things. <laughs> so I just put it in. I was like, eh, I know a little on the basketball stuff, I mostly follow you know Troy and some Sunbelt stuff, but nationally, I just look at you know big picture stuff. I was like, okay, Virginia, number one, they're going as far as I can take them, and, and I was like, crap, they were the ones that lost the UNBC last <laughs> last year,
1: yeah.
2: And then they're losing to the Gardner Webb, and I'm like, oh no, oh no. And I was like, oh well, it's just my luck, and then they you know pull it out and they're able to keep going. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Although, I, I was. I think a lot of people were sweating bullets uh, with their. I, I just. I don't get how they go. I mean, you just. You just get hot, I guess, at the right time, and and they. I mean, what could have been if they get upset again? Like, but you know, obviously they go on and win a national title. I know there was a lot of Auburn fans down here that eh, oh, yeah. aren't the biggest Virginia fans anymore. There, um, there
1: were plenty of Auburn fans in our. <laughs>
0: yeah, in our especially in our in our bracket, uh, there was a bunch of Auburn fans. Uh, but Virginia did pull it out, and that is why Mr. Whitehead is here. Ben is a Troy grad. Uh, of what? When did you graduate from Troy? Was it? 10? Oh, no, t- 2009. So nine. he was right in the middle of the illustrious run that the Troy Trojans had. Levi Brown. Uh, got to see some really good quarterbacks uh, while he was here. And, you know, Ben, we were talking about that before the show. Uh, you can't. And, and let's just jump right in. You can't remember a time, and you've seen a lot of good quarterbacks come through this program, and you can't remember a time that a our QB room has been this stacked.
2: Right. I mean, I've seen, you know, everyone from Brock Nutter, Hansel Bearden. Um, you know, you got uh, Levi, um, Jamie Hampton, Corey Robinson, all the way up to the new guys. Uh, probably the only two I will ever try to forget but can't forget are the ones who were playing my freshman year when I thought I'd made a huge mistake at signing to go to a university just because they had a good football team, um, <laughs> which was Julian Flowers and Carl Meadows. We don't speak of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a, uh. <laughs> yes, but, but, you know, they had to come through at that time because then who was right after them?
2: Uh, that would have been – I would say that was right at the time of Jamie. And then Levi, yeah. Well,
0: where was what was Omar? Or
2: no, no, that was um. Uh, yeah, that was Omar. Oh, I was thought Omar, Omar was Lord. the guy,
0: was the next because we no. got to Omar and that was like Omar was just magic. Yeah. I feel like on Omar
2: day. was a wrecking ball. He was yeah. so much fun to watch. I mean, I mean, I still remember his performance from that New Orleans Bowl. It was just amazing.
0: Oh yeah, no. That so I'm I'm glad I. I wish we could have seen Omar because me and Thomas obviously weren't there when Omar was coming through, but I wish we could have seen my day. When I was there, it was Corey Robinson, and then I got Brandon Silvers. So two very yeah. interesting players off the field. <laughs> very, you know, um, So, yeah, that's what we got to witness while, while we were there. So, uh, but, yeah, uh, so, yeah.
2: The uh, best team that I ever saw was that 0-9 team because you had – um, Levi, uh at quarterback. Then you know, that was when DeJuan Harris was still there at running back, oh, yeah. and then you had probably one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen in person, Jarrell Jernigan. Oh
1: yeah. And
2: you know that offense was just clicking on all cylinders, and it didn't even have to because the defense was so just killer. Yeah. You know you had Borsley and uh, Bear Woods over there.
0: Yeah, Bear Woods. Oh, the, the Canadian the, League MVP. <laughs> the and most incredible hairdo of all time. Of course. Uh, no, Jarrell Jernigan, though. Like I, I know, he, I looked up his stats. He had like forty nine hundred total yards. Yeah, he was insane. Sure. Like he, it was nuts. His st- his stats are incredible to watch, and I mean that's why he was like one of the Sun Belt's only top. Uh, uh, what he was eleventh overall.
2: And, no, no, uh, that was he, uh, that was Leotis McKelvin
0: and Leotis uh, McKelvin. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, that was Leotis. That was 11th overall. But he with. was
1: a third round pick. Yeah, he
0: was third round pick. Uh but I mean, yeah, your third round pick. You're that's still up there, man. Cuz right. he goes, oh, yeah. one of the
1: three that won the the ring with yeah. the Giants. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So Yeah. So no, um now yeah, back to the quarterback room like now. I mean, it, it you, we were talking, I mean, it's one one less guy which everybody kind of figured uh, obviously, news came out yesterday, or it, yeah, it was yesterday, um, that Sawyer Smith uh, is transferring. He has entered the transfer portal, and we will be talking about the transfer portal here in a little bit. Uh, but he has put his name in. Um, so you you kind of figured uh, that somebody was going to go. Ben, Ben, who did did you think it would be him, or or what? Were you surprised by the move, or what?
2: Um, I was surprised. Just in that, I didn't necessarily sense it coming, but when you really look at kind of the board and how everything's laid out, with how many quarterbacks we have in that room, I'm not really that surprised anymore. Because, you know, yeah, Sawyer came in, Sawyer's played great, you know, stepped in when we needed him, but that that spot is Caleb, at least as far as I'm concerned right now. You know, and, and he hasn't gotten this, injured. Um, you know, it would have been an amazing year, at least according to Bill Connolly's numbers that he was, you know, putting up at that point.
1: Right, and that's no disrespect toward uh, Sawyer at all. I think oh, no, that no, we no. Were, we had talked about this before in the past on this show and had been uh, saying, it, I don't know if we specifically picked him out. I don't remember which one of us it was, but um, no, just the fact, just the first half of last year with Caleb Barker was. pretty probably some of the best quarterback play that Troy's seen in a, a long time in a long time I I mean I'd put that up against Corey Robinson
0: I mean for me if, for me it was just different I mean obviously you got to see Ben got to see Omar yeah and but f- for the type of quarterback well I don't think Troy's seen that type of quarterback in a in, in a while I mean From the Corey Robinson days, I mean, where he just threw it around 70 times in the game. I mean, this kid, it was a 50-50 run pass, I feel like, with him. It it might have actually been a 60-40 run, to be honest with you.
2: It was almost like you merged a guy like Corey or Levi with Omar. Because that was Omar's big thing. you You look at him, and he's this big, stocky guy, and he runs a lot, but he also is a really accurate passer. I think people forget that sometimes. But... You know, it was just a mix of skills that we hadn't seen together in one package, and that's what I almost I think,
0: think so that kind of took. I almost feel like Neil kind of had to reshape what he was doing because I mean, we saw Neil obviously with with Brandon Silver's, and it was get the ball out under five sec. I mean, under hell, under three seconds. And now, I mean, that Boise State game, which was ugly game. I mean, they were trying to do that same stuff, and then they kind of figured it out. By the fourth quarter, basically, like, okay, we need to move him around, get the pocket moving around, get him on play action so he either has a chance to run or he can throw it out of play action. And, and like, so you kind of saw Neil Brown have to, like, kind of figure him out. And, like, just as they were getting it figured out, he gets hurt. And, you know, after those five weeks, you know. So, that, I mean, I I think this guy's, if he comes back, and that's my question mark with him, is that this is his third ACL tear. He had one in high school. I think he had two in high school, actually, and now he's had one here. And so, he's had three ACL tears. It's hard to come back from three ACL tears, 100%. You know, he's back. He's doing his stuff, but how good? Well, this is where we kind of move from
1: analysis to speculation because if you think about it, Sawyer took the team. It was Sawyer's team after Caleb was out. And if Caleb is that fragile, then what are the chances that it becomes Sawyer's team again? That leaves the door open for him. So there's got to be something else. It's got to be the rest of the room in there. Oh yeah, the quarter other quarterbacks that are just as good as he is, but younger and have a better chance when they stick around
0: than he does. Yeah, no, I think Sawyer might have saw might have seen something on the wall. Absolutely, I um, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a crowded room. <laughs> it's just, it is. I mean, it's a real crowded room, and you got. I think Gunnar Watson could. I, I mean, I heard Gunnar Watson was their huge prize recruit they got two years ago. That He was the guy that they wanted day one he was top of the leaderboard. And that they got him, and and they shut down all their other recruiting. They did not – because there was a kid down here in Baldwin County that they were recruiting, and as soon as – because I actually met the kid, and he said, they told me that start go look someplace else after they got him. Like they were that confident in Gunnar Watt, at least the, the old staff was. And I think Chip Lindsey is is probably seeing the same thing that Sean Reagan and Neil Brown saw in in Gunner Watson, is that the the kid can play. I mean, I, and so I think Gunner has has really probably developed a lot over the spring, and that, I think that's a big factor. I think that was a big decision in why I think Sawyer was leaving was he probably saw the writing on the wall. So yeah, uh, and I
2: remember um, you know when they signed Gunner Watson, you know they always put out the little mini highlight package. Uh, when they announced it, and I was just watching his. I think I watched it three or four times, and so I was just in awe of some <laughs> of the strokes he was making. You know, it's just like, this kid's making these in high school? Yeah. Yeah, you know, It's just it's confused, confusing to me because I was just like, yeah, these are more mature reads in some instances than he should have been making. Yeah. And yeah. At least, you know, I'm confident, you know, that, Lindsey runs a very similar offense, and it's not, you know we're going to see some differences and tendencies, but you know he's even said this is going to be very similar. So he's at least got the playmakers there. He's not going to have to you know do like Jeff Collins over at Georgia Tech, where he's rebuilding from the auction, you know, just oh. kind of adapt the philosophy hey, and keep going.
1: Oh, I'm about to. I'm, I'm breaking it off the subject here, and and, and Colin already asked, asked answered my question. But did y'all see the video from the Spring Day game?
0: I I don't think Atlanta has been that loud in a long time. Not since the Braves the
1: past October at yeah, least. Like, at
0: least, I like, mean, they were pumped the fact that this. I mean, I like that they played it off. Yeah. Did you see it, Ben?
1: No, no. I from Georgia seen it. Tech. From Georgia Tech Spring Game, they line up, and then all of a sudden, the quarterback. Takes two steps back into the shotgun, and then the stadium just erupts
0: in craziness. I mean, it's like I mean he he goes under center, and everybody's like, oh, oh no. And then I mean they played it, man, and I I love that. I mean Georgia Tech, I know they're ACC, but that that Atlanta. I mean Georgia State's right there, but Georgia Tech could be a really good team if they have the right coach in there. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, but no, that was. I mean, it, getting back onto the topic, you know, no like. It's it's not going to be a big rebuild on on offense defense. I'm going to be really interested to see where our defense goes uh, because uh, Brandon Hall is a lot different mindset, I believe, than as a as a D corner than obviously uh, Vic was. So it's going to be interesting to see where the defense, what the defense looks like. And and to me, I mean, to you, you saw our defenses between in the championship years, I, to me, I think what really, I mean, we've always had good offenses, but to me, what I think was the reason why we beat Nebraska and we beat LSU is that we had a defense that could really hold up, I think, four quarters with those teams. I mean, yeah, yeah we got some luck, but but I watched the Mississippi State game in 2012. I watched Tennessee in 2012 as well. Oh, stop talking about but, that one. Fifty-six points on them. If we would have had a defense there, we beat both those two teams. I mean, there's just no doubt. And and but I just I think we always lacked a defense, and like that's what I'm most skeptical about with this staff is what are they going to bring to a defense?
2: You know, my thing is if they play it smart, they've already got most of the philosophy built in. I know Brandon Hall is going to want to do his own thing, but I think when you follow somebody like Vic. Who has, you know, at least as a defensive coordinator, shown what he can do at many different schools? And you know, I I remember that defense we had in 04 whenever he was here. You know, we were I want to say a top 25 defense that year, uh, if I'm not bad mistaken. But I like know it was actually actually was top 10. I I just saw it. So we were oh, wow. top 10 ranked defense in the nation in 2004, our first year in the Sun Belt, and that was all him. So whenever you know we got the news Neil was leaving, I was like, okay, I knew this was going to happen. And then they said Vic was leaving. I was like, oh, no, no. That, yeah, that's, that's and that was broker. our response, too. That was, was, when I, uh... that was when I was upset. Yes. But, uh, uh... you know, I think if Brandon Hall can actually just bring some of that stuff over and continue it rather than trying to go with a drastic change, I think we'll be fine. Because we have the playmakers set, you know, already up in there, but... You just gotta, you know, stay the course.
1: Well, did you did you get a chance to go to the spring game? I know it's a couple weeks out now, but um,
2: no, I I had uh, family Easter, so I uh, wasn't able to. No, go. I
1: understand. I understand. Now, I I don't think either of us were able to go uh, that week either. But no, I, I agree. It's I remember saying something to that effect too. Um, as long as he just keeps on doing the same thing with that defense. He's got the players. If he knows what he's doing, he won't change it too much. Um, that fire that fire ant uh, defense or whatever that he employed against Georgia Southern was just monstrous, whatever that game plan was.
2: And it, it was very similar to that one that he used against uh, North Texas in the bowl game where it was just yeah. everybody go to the ball. Because I still exactly. remember that one picture they have where it was like, what, 10 guys ride around the ball carrier? Yeah, it was just so indicative of what he had built.
0: Well, I think I mean I know the pro- okay to all of our listeners. We're obviously all Troy guys here. If you uh, haven't noticed by so, now, uh, if we haven't lost you by now, just because we're talking Troy, uh, let's talk about. We just had a draft. We just had an NFL draft, and I'm just going to be blunt. Sunbelt fell flat on its face. I mean, it, I, we. I don't know if it if the Sunbelt fell flat on the face, but this was. Arguably one of the worst drafts we've had as a conference. It it is one it of the was, worst. It's, it's the second worst. Oh god, that means we've had zero. <laughs> oh boy. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. What well, do you got? I was just gonna say
2: the same thing. It was, it was you know, the only other time we've had less than two, and 2006 was the time we had zero.
1: <laughs> yeah, that blew my mind because I started going back and I hit 2001. It was like zero, and then 2000 I was like zero. I was like, oh wait, we started in 2001. And that made me shift gears and think about 2006 again. Like, what did we do wrong as a conference?
2: Well, you know, um, during that time, because I don't you know, remember a lot of it because I was mostly focused on Troy, that was my first year there, we were so bad. Like, I, I can see us not having any because we didn't have anybody who was worth it, quite frankly, yeah, uh, that year. Um, you look at the year before, you have DeMarcus Ware drafted, and then – the year after, you have Brandon Condren drafted. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny the way it works. For that 2005 draft, somebody has three. 2006, there's nine. And then they come back in 2007, there's five. You know, it's just, I don't quite understand. I think I would need to actually, you know, really look at the, the players on those teams to see why didn't we get anyone drafted that year.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of variables. I mean, you think about, I mean, obviously we're a smaller conference and, and you gotta, you gotta wonder in 2006, what was coming out of the other schools? I mean, and, and obviously those bigger schools. Yeah. Yeah. We have scouts that come out to these smaller schools, but those bigger schools are going to get the first look. I mean, that's just how, that's how that is today. And unless you've got a DeMarcus Ware in your team, but other than that, like what, what's going to attract those scouts to our school. And you got to think about what the other schools have and, and, just, and what the other conferences I, did in a draft like I that. I think I
1: figured it out, guys. Okay. <laughs> our, we had a three-way tie for the conference champion in 2005. That's the season before the 06 draft. Mm-hmm. Our best team was a 6-6 six and six Arkansas State team. Oh. That was the best team in our
0: conference that year. Like yeah, I think that would
1: record. do it. Yeah, that was the overall record.
0: Yeah, like That was the best overall record that yeah. we had in the conference. Six and seven. That was Six when it was
2: Arkansas State, uh, Middle Tennessee, and was it Louisiana Lafayette?
0: Uh, it was both
1: Louisiana schools, but yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, two out of three. You you you're batting bat. You're doing better than Arkansas State did that year. Well, that's still mind-boggling
0: because okay, they had zero that year. We had what three ten-win teams this past season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have one. Well, ten years later, we had two ten-win teams. Seriously, like. I I don't know it 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 really blows my mind and I mean I I mean to see the two programs like Troy and App State who have had the success that they've had on the field I mean that they, they have to have between those two programs at least sixty five seventy wins over the past two years or three years I mean between the two teams I mean it, and for them to both have what what did we say what do we say well Troy's had one App State's had two so three draft picks between the two teams, and you got 70 wins, that that, that says one thing. That says, well, I don't know. It, and we talked about this about Neil Brown. I think Scott, Scott Zatterfield falls in the same bracket now. Is, did he over, did he overachieve with less talent, or did he underachieve in the draft department and, you know, get the wins on the field? It, it's kind of like a double edged sword, you know?
2: I think it might be that at least with ours, when you look at it, we didn't Necessarily have a lot of senior contributors who were draft ready. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's how it was with App state. The only one I really knew that was hyped up was um, uh, Jalen Moore, and I think he would have gone if he hadn't got injured.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I feel like I mean Taylor Lamb to me was a solid prospect. He was six three two twenty. He was a four year starter. I mean. he not even a sniff, I feel like. You know, Brandon Silvers, I mean Justice Hanson. I mean, yeah, Justice Hanson was a solid player. Like, I mean they it's just it's kind of mind boggling the to see us not get draft picks for how well those two teams played on the field against premier competition, mind you.
2: Well, I mean, going outside of, you know, those two teams, for me for the thumb belt, the complete and utter surprise was Kenny Hart not getting drafted. Yeah, I mean, yeah
1: absolutely. I'm just
2: on the one hand, I'm glad he's gone because now Georgia State doesn't have a weapon to go to. But, you know, it was just – I kept waiting. You know, I was expecting somebody's going to take him. Somebody needs a decent big play wide receiver, and nobody took him.
0: I mean, he was a guy who went to the Senior Bowl. And, I mean, he opened up a lot of eyes at the Senior Bowl. And, and uh, it was him and the kid from UMass. I always forget his name. Uh, uh, Adam. God. Uh god what's his name adam something but uh, whatever it, it was him and penny hart that really opened a lot of people's eyes of man these are some good route runners and they i can th-
1: think what happened was he had a very very slow draft time oh like uh, his 40 time yeah he, oh, like okay. it was his 40 or his shuttle so time he, bla- he blaze black but he blazed browned it is yeah. what i i think that's what i remember
0: yeah well it, it's just i don't know it's it's really shocking uh I, it's as a conference as a whole it, it's one i mean what you're i see you've got final numbers let go let's go down the, the group of five just real
1: quickly well let's do group of five let's do fcs as yeah. a whole and division two as a whole yeah because oh, God. fcs had 13 players drafted if you're including idaho as an fcs team and for our purposes let's do that the American had about, I think, 10. I'm probably wrong with that number. I think it's a little higher, but they had at least 10. The Mac had nine. The Mountain West had nine. Conference USA had six. And Division two had five. The Division two schools had five players drafted. The Sun Belt had one.
2: I mean, just it kind of boggles my mind a bit. I mean... You know, I've seen instances where you've got some, you know, SCS or Division II players that come out and, you know, become huge playmakers, but, um, I mean, I've seen a lot where also they get kind of deemed because of the competition level, but yeah, I just, I don't know if, you know, are the of, is the sum am not marketing the players in some way? Um You know, and, I'll be honest, I'm ignorant on how that exactly gets done. Like, do they, you know, try and push these players to get them into, you know, the scouts' eyes. Um, But there's got to be something done. You know, this is, to me, you know, again, I've watched this conference since Troy joined it in 2004. And I thought when we had that mass exodus of Mid-10 and uh, North Texas and the Florida schools, you know, going to Conference USA, I was really worried. Because I was thinking that was going to be the death knell of the Sun Belt. Before we was going to end up being independent again, because you know the the conference couldn't sustain itself. But we end up rebounding, we pick up you know a couple other schools, and we get App and Georgia Southern. And to me, the conferences just leapfrogged Conference USA. But then you look here, and this is going to hurt the prestige because uh, let me pull my notes back up real quick. You know, when you look at the draft. It's been since 2009 when we didn't have uh, at least three. 2009 we had two. One of those was uh, a Troy guy, but it's just so
1: had it doesn't look years, good for at least three players. Yeah,
2: so, and that was uh, Sherrod Martin in 2009. Yeah, but it's you know I know a lot of folks don't watch the thumbnail, They don't actually see the level of play that you know, happening in this conference. But you know, when you look at the stats, oh well you only had one draft pick, well, that's says all your players stock. And that's how they're gonna be looking at it. And I think that's something that, you know, the new commissioners gotta find a way to address. You know, we can't have a year like this again.
0: No, I mean and and I don't think I don't think necessarily it's a young league this past year. I mean I, I think we had plenty of junior senior talent coming out Plenty of senior talent coming out out of a lot of t- – I mean, Clifton Duck was a was a heck of a prospect, and he was an underclassman.
1: Clifton Duck, Keenan Brown,
0: yeah, and – Yeah, Keenan Brown, I mean, they were talking – He was a top – I mean, he was – Keenan Brown was in and out of the top probably eight, eight, nine tight end prospects within the draft, and they don't get him. I mean, it's it just – it's really mind-boggling. I mean, d- uh, what was – I saw the defensive player of the year, Raheem – what a, Raheem Bingham? Raheem Bingham, he doesn't get drafted, but a kid that is five foot five, a cornerback out of a out of a Division, Division two, two school, school, gets a draft pick. It's like what? How does? I mean, it just blow, it, There's just it's there's just weird. There's a case by case basis to yeah. be
1: made here because Raheem Bingham was injured and He's apparently injured that, apparently he didn't recover too well from that. But looking at the numbers historically compared to this year. Uh, Ben's right. It, at least three every year. Granted, this isn't looking at it like, um, oh, I would rather have us win bowl games all the time. Yeah, that's great for us to show out against other conferences. But if we're not developing these players enough, or at least like showing the world that we're de- play- developing these players enough, they don't care. Like, we're not going to – you're right. We lost prestige with this. I like that phrase.
0: Yeah, I, I think we did. Probably lose. Well, one you star know, prestige. I
2: mean, at least the way since I've been following it, because for me, I grew up an Alabama fan, and so I had to kind of shift my mindset when I, you know, really started cheering for Troy. And then we got going the Sunbelt Belt because you don't get that instant, you know, cachet that we're in the SEC brings, we're the SBC, so we've got to work harder to actually get any respect. And I think we had been making a lot of strides that way, uh, you know, with. Troy and App actually showing out against P5 teams, you know, we're, if I'm not bad in we're the only Sunbelt team in the last two years to actually win a P5 game. Um, and I'd have to look at the numbers, but I think we're the only Sunbelt team with multiple P5 wins, because I know we've got five.
1: As a Sunbelt school, yes, I would say that we are.
0: Probably, I mean, App State's probably right. The App State, I know, has wins over... Wake Forest and, obviously, Michigan. Let me y'all, – so, y'all keep talking. I'll pull that up. Uh, no, like, I it, I think it's, it's – I think in the recruiting it's going to hurt because recruiting now, you see teams, they boast about how many draft picks they have. I mean, A- Alabama, they don't even talk about their national championship rings anymore. Their stuff, when they – and I know Alabama is obviously the top, but they're sending – they send these postcards – that literally say how much their first round draft picks made altogether last year. Like that's what they boast about.
2: Um, yeah, they're they're so just at a pipeline now. Their second stringers getting drafted. Oh yeah. Yeah, because they're at higher levels of competition in practice than most kids are in the game. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, I I think I think this is, uh, I think it's a big hurt because you've got these other confer- you've got these other teams and these other conferences. That I'm not saying every team had a draft pick, but for a conference to be like, yeah, we had six draft picks this past year. I mean, like you play, you play in our conference, you're gonna have a shot at, at getting drafted. That I mean, they can sell that now. We uh, hey, you play in our conference, uh, you go, we had one draft pick. I mean, it's just it, it it's a it was a bad bad year for the Sun Belt to for to take one. And I don't I don't think going back to your. If the conference has to do more, I don't think it's the conference that has to do more. I mean, it's. I think it's connections that the coaches have. I mean, you think about the coaches that we have in this conference now. I mean, you you. you and that's why that's why I go back to Satterfield and, and Neil Brown is the connections that they had. You would have thought they would have been able to get scouts in here that would have trusted them. You know that that they would have taken their word for this type of a player that they were getting from their team. Some of these coaches, they might not have the, you know, there's a lot of young coaches in our conference. And, and so maybe they don't have the connections into the NFL that obviously these other conferences have. And, and I mean, you, you, Tulane, I think Tulane had two draft picks this year. Tulane, what did they do this pa- the past couple of seasons? I mean, but they've got a guy like Willie Fritz at the helm who people know, people trust his word, and he get he gets guys in the NFL. So I, it, it, it's just real mind-boggling to me. To uh, about App State and, and, and Troy, obviously, about just how they have just not been able to get draft picks.
2: Right, and, you know, I think you're right a lot of this about, you know, maybe young coaches because there's a ton of turnover in the belt. You know, either your coaches are getting poached or your coaches are getting fired because you're not winning enough. So, you know, there's not a lot of balance there. But I still think no matter the coach, if you've got teams that are consistently winning ten games, you know it's not just a fluke season like you know Ball State a few years back, but you've got ten-win seasons back to back to back. Obviously, something's going on there. They've got talent. You know, it shouldn't be up to the coaches having connections for you know scouts to look at film.
0: Yep. Yeah, know I thought I really thought Damian Willis could have been a late-round guy. Just because of his size and and his speed, I before I mean I I know we talked, I think at right close to the end of the season because we kind of did a little draft thing there of locks and I think all of us had Penny Hart being a lock. I, I Penny Hart's a shocker. I mean let's I mean we've we've kind of banged on the Sun Belt here, but we did have one draft pick, Marcus Green. We got to talk to him at Sun Belt Media Day. Great for him. He's probably going to be a really good return specialist in the NFL. I think that's what they're going to use them for. Um, so I mean, and, and, but out of ULM that that, that's another mind boggling stat, ULM when's the last time ULM's had a winning, a winning record. I mean, I can't, I can't, I couldn't tell you. Uh, so, but, so that's the strange thing is, is you have a guy that comes out of a losing uh, a team that has a losing record for the past probably five years and he gets drafted. So it's just, it's really, it's really puzzling. How the draft process, you know, works, and 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 why some of these guys are getting drafted and some of these guys aren't getting drafted. Last time
2: ULM had a winning season was 2012, and they were eight and five.
0: So seven, seven years. years.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And before that, hold on, hold on. This is actually the better part. 2012 was eight and five. Before that, their last winning season. Hold on, I have to scroll.
1: 1993.
0: 1993 was. Other than 2012 was the only year they've ever had a winning record. A winning oh. record above 500. Above 500. So that's that's even more puzzling. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> like,
1: I guess I mean I guess
0: wins losses we're, we're we don't have the formula, guys. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we're obviously doing something wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, now while we're dogging on them, okay. let's give them some credit. Yeah, I mean we were trying. All right. Oh, so ULM? I was looking into. Teams with power sunbelt teams with power five wins okay. since they're a Sunbelt school. Uh-huh. All right. Oh they're, yeah, they're, ULM. Here's, here's your thing. ULM has had four. They're number two behind Troy with five. So ULM and Troy combined have more than the rest of the Sunbelt combined.
2: They do have the most important one because that's the one over Alabama.
0: Yep. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yep. They can forever Talk trash that they beat Nick Saban. But I'm saying as a
1: Sunbelt school, only Arkansas State and Georgia Southern, if as far as I could tell from my cursory look, mm-hmm. and, and South. Arkansas State, South, and uh, what was the other one I just said? Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. Yeah. As far as I know, those are the only three teams that have a win over a Power 5 team.
0: Wow. Wow. That's just – I mean, that's that's great, but – Again, when it it doesn't translate into draft picks, I mean, at, at all. I mean, it just it it doesn't. And and so I mean, I guess I guess we've got to figure out that formula of how do we get people drafted? Because you would think, okay, maybe they make it to the Senior Bowl, that's gonna get them in. Nope. We had two guys go last year. They didn't get they didn't get picked. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, now he's in the NFL with with Brandon Silver's. Obviously, he took a different route. Um, and we hope, obviously, he goes far. But, like, I mean, Jeremy Reeves, Jeremy Reeves was in the senior ball, too. He didn't get drafted. I mean, it, it just, so I don't, we clearly have to do a lot more work to figure out this formula of how in the heck do we get some belt players in the NFL? Because obviously, winning 10 games isn't enough. Uh, so, yeah.
2: And one thing I looked at, and this is what was kind of bizarre to me. I decided after I looked at what we had had as far as draft picks since um, since we had become a member of the Sun Belt, I started looking, or well, I I did it since 2001, since it was the same year that the Sun Belt started. Um, I was kind of deciding, you know, to see where I would go with this, and I realized of all the ones that we've had since you know 2001, only one was not coached by Larry Blakeney. So then I went back and looked. Our first draft pick ever was in 1969. From 1969 to 1989, we had 13 draft picks. Then from 92, when Blakeney had his first one, to 2012 when he had his last one, we had 19. The largest gap in that was three years, from 94 to 97. So he had consistent players getting drafted during those 20 years.
0: And you and see so, Larry when you when you say Larry Blakeney, I mean that's a guy that's been around for a while. Right. You
2: know? And so okay. I think you could be getting onto something with that about the connections because, you know, he had, you know, of course his Auburn connections, which he probably carried some of those, at least with the NFL, over to uh Troy whenever he came over. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's surprising that, you know, we have all of this you know, success, you know, in the twenty years before him and then he handled it and you, gets really close to doubling that success in his twenty years. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I know. I think it's, uh, I think I definitely think it's a, it's a, a connection thing. I think that's, that's. Well, you want some it. more evidence for that? Yeah. <laughs> what you got?
1: What team do you think has the most draft picks out of the Sun Belt?
0: He did his research. He might know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I mean, never... I only, I only, I only focused on Troy, but I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna go with
0: Troy because that's what I got.
1: That's number two. Troy's number two.
0: Hey, I was close. I'm gonna say ULL.
1: ULL, Louisiana.
0: Yeah. Yeah. ULL for real.
1: Louisiana, Lafayette. I know they had
0: like three picks a couple years ago, and they have just always had.
1: They have eleven.
0: Eleven total.
1: Wow. They have Now Troy has had three picks in one year. Okay. Nobody else has had any okay. more no. than two. Do they? Have, they
0: had two. Yeah. Because yeah. a couple years they had the corner and the safety that went last year, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: But the Louisiana Lafayette has wow. eleven picks, and they have only gotten two conference championships. One has been vacated. <laughs> so, what do you, what does that tell you, Ben?
2: I mean it's it's got to be the connection because you know when you look at at least the way I've always kind of at least in my mind, measure prestige, it's you know, how are you faring against at least for you know Troy and Thumbelt schools or G five, how are you faring against the P five? How are you faring against other G five schools? And are you winning? You know, are you winning championships? And the other thing is the draft picks. So if those four things are all meshing, then you know you're doing pretty well. Uh, so to me if you're winning two championships over that time but still have an eleven Players drafted, then got to be a connection
0: issue. Yeah. No, I I think it's uh, it's bad for our conference. This is because we need to be expanding our reach, and us not being on. Was it wasn't it the most watched NFL draft ever? I don't know. I I, I think its ratings were through the roof. It was the most attended one. I know that they had like four million people come through that weekend. Just to to be down there and part of their stuff, and the sun belt was mentioned one time. One time, out of the entire draft, that's not good. That that just that does not grow your brand at all, on a on a global stage because that's what the NFL He's, is now.
1: And he was mentioned toward the end of the day too. Yeah, yeah,
0: he was like what fifth, sixth, sixth, sixth round. round six yeah. Round. So I mean, and again, nothing taking away. I'm not taking anything away from Marcus screen hell of a career congratulations to him we are solely talking about the sun Belt here and and just the fact that the, just no representation on the biggest day you could possibly have
2: and so. he's the bright shining star of that he's the only you know yeah. decent part of this yeah, craft when was it comes to the sun belt.
0: he's
1: gonna be my favorite player now yeah on the Falcons like oh he went to the Falcons yeah
0: oh man hey hey hey
2: do not do not besmirch the Falcons.
1: <laughs> there there will be no Falcons blast from I'm not I'm
0: not I'm just saying I'm just like oh well, yeah you're definitely gonna like it's more of like a oh okay like about I, me. It's yeah. about me.
1: That's yeah. towards me. No, no no
0: I'm not not dogging the Falcons. Not dogging the Fal- they had a couple of Iowa guys. He's dogging me for liking the Falcons, that's all. They had a couple of Iowa guys on their teams. You you
2: don't understand. Like my first season, like you know how you finally understand football. Like you understand the actual gameplay and what's going on. You're not just watching it to watch it. The first season I remember understanding the game was the 1998 season. So my first season of cheering for the Falcons, it's this whirlwind perfect storm of the Dirty Birds and Jamal Anderson running up and down the field, and then they run into John Elway. (laughs) And so, you know, I kept telling my kids, couple of years ago and lead up to that very, very terrible day. I was like, y'all don't understand what's happening for me. I said, I've been through so much heartbreak with this team that I've been waiting for this. This is 20 years in the making. And the day after, like my first block kids came in and they just didn't say a word. <laughs> There's like, finally one I was like, are you okay? I was like, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to get to work.
1: <laughs>
0: Open your books to page fifty-six and don't look up.
2: <laughs> don't even talk to me. Nothing.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Ben, it's been a, it's been a real. Fr- oh, you know what? We got one more thing. Let's do this real quick. Uh, we got some sleep. We we were talking about earlier. Who is our dark horse? Oh yeah, sleeper. We we've, we've banged on the sunbelt for the entire thing, but uh, it's spring. It, well, I guess. In Alabama I guess we're in the summer now because it's already hit 90 apparently uh but um we're, we're halfway actually to the start of the new season I actually saw today today May 1st we, we are the halfway point between the end of the, the national championship game and the start of the new season so we are halfway to the new season Ben right now tell me a dark horse you got in the Sunbelt I guess Let's do divisions here. We'll do it real quick. Sunbelt West is the crapshoot division. So where who who do you got as a as a dark horse there?
2: I'll say the dark horse you mean? Um, unfortunately Lafayette. Because, you know, Nathan's been doing a lot of good things over there and I really think that they're building something pretty special. Um you know, he's using seems like he's using a lot of what he learned at Alabama and bringing it over. Um,
1: That's what I was about to say. You you talk about connections, connection to Saban is a pretty powerful one.
2: I mean, it, I've seen kind of the players he's been uh, he's been recruiting lately, and it reminds me. I was reading um, one it was Fourth and Goal," uh, a book about um, how Nick Saban kind of runs his team, and they talked about how they didn't necessarily draft the best player at the position; they best the or draft or sorry recruited the best player for that size at the position. And so they had size that they would look at. And that was just as much of a factor as the talent.
0: Oh, yeah. And so
2: I've seen that because their line is are huge. So I would, I would say they're probably my dark horse for the West.
0: All right. What about the East? Um, if if
2: there there is one. I think, you know, Troy and app seem like they're so far ahead. Um, my slightly dark course would be Southern because they're just a step behind. But my actual dark course has got to be Georgia State because I think they just had a weird drop-off this past year. Now, they've got to find somebody to replace Kenny Hart, but other than that, I think they've got a lot of pieces in play. So granted, yeah. this is also Georgia State, so they could go 10-2 and two as easily as they go 2-10. and 10.
0: Yeah. So oh, it's yeah.
2: really, you know... <laughs> up in
0: the air. Yeah, I I think uh, I I like the Georgia State pick. I think this is a do or die year for Sean Elliott. Absolutely. This year. I I it's uh, Georgia State has they've got the 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 location. They 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 cannot be a team that goes out and wins three games a year. That's just you can't do that in Atlanta. I mean, you really can't. And and I think it, you talked about Penny Hart, too. I think losing Penny Hart might help them. I think it it forces them to not just be a one-dimensional. We have to, you know, seventy percent of the time be thrown it his way. Uh, I think, I think it might actually help him. Um, so I like that. I like that pick.
2: Yeah, I think we, you Tom? bring up a good point there. They're gonna have to look elsewhere and find some production that isn't Penny Hard.
1: I feel like they were kind of having to do that anyway because, I mean, you get out there. What's your defensive game plan against Georgia State? Shut down Penny Hard. Mm-hmm. You got the cornerbacks or the safeties to do that. You've already forced them to do something else. But you're right. This forces them to do that from day one and to build from day one mm-hmm. rather than, okay, what's our game plan for next week besides throwing to Penny? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, dark Horse for me uh, in the West? Ah, I I think I, – I really think the boys' dynamobile could be – Are you hate, picking South as the Dark I, Horse? I hate admitting it, but <laughs> I, I think <laughs> – if they put an offense on the field that is somewhat resembling a Kenny Edenfield offense in some of those years at Troy, I think they could be a 7-8 a, a win team. And I and I think 7-8 wins in the West, that can get you uh, – we saw it last year. That's what ULL had. They were, what, 8-4? So, I mean, that could get them into the championship.
1: I'll tell you two things about South that I like. I've been to one practice, so – Take this with as much salt as you would whenever I ever discuss uh, South. Mm -hmm. Their their transfer quarterback, that Juco quarterback they got coming in, is Mm -hmm. just as good as Cephas, if not better.
0: And, you know, Cephas turned out great. Well, (laughs) (laughs) talent-wise.
1: But number two, they also have a very large catching tight end.
0: Oh yeah, they do. Yep.
1: And so that's that's an X factor in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. They're going to use him a lot cuz not only can he block, he can catch and if you find him open over the middle, mm-hmm. he's going to pick up a few extra yards by missing that first tackle.
0: Yeah, no. I know. And and actually I I said offense. I mean, their defense was atrocious last year. Oh yeah, that was the problem. I mean, they were really bad last year, but they they have a they have players on a defense that can make them good. But when they you play like how they did last year that's why what they ended up and they were still in ball games that was the thing so it's like they they're just a head scratcher of a team uh uh for the east i like georgia southern i know that's kind of a easy pick but i it, it, i everybody was on their bandwagon last year and i mean we kind of saw we we saw glimpses of really how good they could be they're really experienced now. I mean, they, they have the most – one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league, if not the most experienced quarterback in the league this coming year uh, with with that little – oh, God, what's his name? I was, Shy Wurtz. Yeah, Shy Wurtz. I feel like he's been there for 10 years. I, I feel like he was there when I was still at Troy. I don't know why. It does feel uh, like
2: he's been there forever.
0: Forever. So, in um, their defense, I mean, they're big and fast, and I think their defense is getting just better. I mean, it was bad two years ago. Uh but I think they're really, really good. They've got athletes just everywhere. So I, I mean, I think I think right now at this point in the year, I I would pick I would pick Georgia Southern as as the as the dark horse. I don't know if I can
1: call them a dark horse though because yeah, because they're just they so close last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I'm picking a dark horse by definition of dark horse, somebody who is not a front runner who I think could win the conference, my dark horse for next year is Troy. It, Troy is the dark horse because they are not the favorites. No. App State is maybe number two. Georgia Southern, based on last year, is probably the front runner compared just based on experience. Mm-hmm. Troy is my dark horse to win the conference, in the, especially the East. Um, in the West, same thing. I can't put Louisiana. I, I feel like I can't do that. That's just me <laughs> being nitpicky. I mm-hmm. don't think I can call them a dark horse because they won it last year. Mm-hmm. Um This is so weird because I feel like (laughs) Arkansas State would be my dark horse to win it this year because Mm. uh, they lose so much. They lost a lot. Yeah. They lost so much. um, And their coach – Going through a lot. Going through a lot off the field. But, I mean, he's always been good enough to get them to at least eight wins. So, um, my my dark horse picks are my front-runner picks from last year, Troy and Arkansas State.
0: Mm. I mean, those are good picks. Solid picks. Well, Ben, you got anything else? You've been—I I you've hung out with us for a pretty good time. You got anything yeah. else you want to talk about?
2: I mean, it, I think we pretty much covered it,
0: man. Yeah.
1: You can follow him at, at Ben on Sports on Twitter. Yeah. I'm giving him that shout out.
0: What a name, too. Great, great call.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> well, I've had, like, some random name, but then I was like, you know. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh well obviously thank you for coming on. Congratulations. I, I hope this was worth it. Uh, <laughs> um we we've got to do another uh another something else that we can I mean this was fun. I, I love oh, yeah. I love doing the competitions, the challenges. They're always fun. Um so we we're glad you got to come on and and uh hopefully maybe this coming season we see that, we see you up there in Troy. Uh we always try to make at least one or two games uh throughout the year. Uh, but again, but no, thank you for coming on and uh we will probably be hearing from you very soon from another "Been on Sports Fact of the Day" probably at some point. Probably at some point. So, but thanks for coming on, buddy.
2: Oh yeah, well thanks for having me. And uh, you'll you should know I at least to put more work into this than
0: I did the actual bracket. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're Trojans. That that's yeah. basically how that boiled down to.
1: Yeah, I know. it was kind of a Homerish uh, Homerish episode, but, but,
0: but it is what it is. It was his show. It was granted. We did say like twenty minutes, but you want to? We had a fun time with Ben. Ben's a cool did. guy. We I, talked to him a while. We talked about the show. everything we wanted to talk about. Yeah, today too. no, no.
1: We, um, we had Troy's quarterback situation is such a big deal. Um, and
0: just talking about the draft. And dude, he killed it, man. He did coming in with stats. I mean, mm-hmm. he he did more work. On this than he actually did for the actual bracket, which I thought was funny. That's funny. Uh, But, no, good for him. He set the bar pretty high for the first ever, like, official call-in guest. Like, that, you know, wasn't, you know, I guess an interviewee, more of a, somebody to call into the show. So, no, he set the bar high. So, anybody who follows Ben Whitehead, be prepared because you're going to have to top that. So, uh, thank you, obviously, for coming on the show. Ben, big, big big supporter of our show. So, we definitely appreciate it.
1: I've got I've I've been itching to do this fact though because we we never had a moment where I could break in with it, but okay. um I've been on fun fact been on sports fun fact of the day right here just to wrap things up with the draft. Going back to it. The there have been three players drafted in the 6th round in the one hundred and eighty eighth overall position from the Sun Belt, three of them. Hmm. All of them came from the same school. Hmm. And I mean it's probably gonna be easy for you to guess, but what school do you think it is?
0: Not in the same draft. Well obviously it can't be the same
1: draft. Well two of them Hmm. were in a row. Two of them were in a row. Um in the years two thousand and the last two years, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, hmm. the hundred and eighty eighth pick came from the same school, and it happened way back in two thousand five as well. Same school, the ULL. Yeah. Okay. But the uh, same. I was just trying to think of school, teams
0: that had draft picks.
1: One hundred and eighty eight. That's pretty insane. Three different years. One
0: eighty eight. Yeah, it's crazy. It's got to be a number there that like ULL like is like
1: oh, that's probably. Incredible. I bet they didn't know about it until now.
0: No, probably not. But That's why we have the Been On Sports Fun Fact of the Day. Exactly. There we go. And uh, uh,
1: Speaking of things people didn't really know much about until we whew. brought them up.
0: Oh, we did, dude.
1: If you remember all the way back to our first episode.
0: Literally the first.
1: Literally. We're coming up on a year now because this event's coming back around.
0: Mm-hmm. We were talking about beach volleyball. The beach Volleyball championships of the NCAA are right here. Down the
1: road, right down the road,
0: in our backyard in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Which, if you didn't know, Alabama, yeah, they they have beaches. I don't know if if any of our listeners don't know about that. Uh, I feel
1: like our listeners know that, but uh, yeah, I
0: hope so. Uh, no, the NCAA beach volleyball championships hosted down in Gulf Shores. I literally, this was one of the reasons why we started this podcast is that we loved doing we loved bringing light to unique sports and this it's is the one of the newest NCA uh sanctioned uh sports yeah. and so th- that like i remember still talking to you and being like dude like let's talk about things like this yeah, cuz it's
1: it's it's just out, out of the blue and i know yeah. football's our biggest season i know yeah. football's our biggest thing but like just to have that yeah like to have something as interesting as that These are women who are going to college and getting paid to go to college to play a sport. Mm -hmm. They're a college athlete. They're a college student athlete. And ain't nobody know about their sport.
0: Mm -mm. Especially this one. Especially this one. Let me tell you something. These girls are straight up athletes, man. I believe it. You ever tried jumping sand?
1: Yes, it didn't go well. You
0: ever tried to run in sand?
1: Yes, it didn't go well. It ain't easy. Yes, it didn't. I'm sorry. Wait, what?
0: (laughs) It is not. It is not easy. Uh, no. It. And it's not. These girls make it look really easy. They so are super good.
1: I guess the point of us talking about that is, uh, you're headed down there this weekend, aren't you?
0: Uh, I should be able to make it should down there. Should be able to make it down there. We have been credentialed.
1: We do have credentials.
0: We, uh, our first ever national championship. Yeah. We've been credentialed. Big day for the bench boys.
1: Oh yeah. Surprisingly big. So yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, no, uh we got credentialed literally for a national championship. So
1: I heard I'm not gonna make it because I got work. Yeah,
0: we got work. But, but we will I, I might be down there tomorrow, which will be the when this at some point this weekend I will be down there. So uh but so. just to give everyone a quick update, there are eight teams playing in it. Just as always quick format. Uh USC number one overall team. A lot of West. Western United States love here, USC taking on Stetson, number eight seed LSU. Uh, Pepperdine is the five and four That's seed, California, Florida State and Cal Poly, three and six, and finally UCLA, number two seed against Hawaii, the seventh seed. So UCLA, I believe, won it last year. I think they did. USC has had phenomenal teams. The two years ago when I covered this, uh, they had literally a set a a, a, a team. Because you know they they're, they're in twos, pairs of twos. They were undefeated. They had not lost a match in I like three years. Remember that? Because remember we, all
1: that? we were like that. Probably going to win it all. And yeah, they, they didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. But
0: No, they. Um, uh, so no, the LSU always brings a really cool crowd. Florida State uh, being really close. Those are the
1: two biggest teams outside yeah. of Auburn and Alabama in this area. Yeah. So yeah,
0: no, they and they bring they bring a fun crowd. It's going to be a fun weekend. No, we'll definitely next week's show. I will have a full recap. Uh, and just it's on ESPNU this year. So there you go. There you go. You can watch this, look and see how beautiful these beaches are down here on the Gulf Coast, and uh, I guarantee you, you will be envious and you will be making your way down as a listener to, to come visit these beaches. So,
1: but until then, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at the OG Bench Boys, and please, please, please smash that subscribe button. Uh, we're available anywhere your favorite podcasts are found. And if you're uh, found yourself in a place where podcasts are found and we're not there, tell us. We're Tweet gonna get us. there. We're gonna get there. Yeah. Um. You know, that's actually how we ended up on iHeartRadio, Radio. Mm-hmm. Was somebody was like, "Are y'all on that?" And I'm like, "No, we're not." No. So iHeartRadio Radio listeners, that's how it happened. You had a listener contacted us, and now we're on iHeartRadio. Radio. So
0: iHeart Radio.
1: We can do that. We can do that. We're, we're not a heart radio thing. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Google Play. So. Do they
0: have cool little jingles?
1: Not that I know of, mm. unfortunately.
0: Get it together, boys. Yep. Okay. Uh, great show. Really good show. Super excited. Glad to be back.
1: Yeah. We got some uh, things bowling up in the future. We I do. Think, uh, we're about to hit the one-year mark. I think we're going to make a few small adjustments, but uh, we'll let you know what those are happening and when that comes down the pipeline. Um You have anything else?
0: I got nothing, man. This has been a hell of a show. Proud of it. Come on back. <laughs>
1: Bench Boys is a part of the Forgotten Five Network.